Have you ever felt so exhausted and drained that you're left questioning if you're burning out? Hi, I'm Flick Taylor, and my passion for burnout and self-care came about when I became a mental health writer who'd lost her mental health to extreme burnout. I know, the irony is not lost on me. Join me as I host Everyday Burnout Conversations, the honest podcast that shares the stories of others, more walks of life as they recover from, manage and avoid burnout by prioritising their mental health and well-being. Expect to hear fascinating conversations, plus positive and actionable tips and tricks that can help you make the simple life changes your mental health will thank you for. Episodes will be delightfully wrapped up in some epic truths and great humour. So, enjoy! In today's episode, I chat with Susie Glasky, a functional medicine health coach and founder of Peppermint Wellness. At the age of 40, Susie walked away from the successful PR agency she'd founded, turning her back on a 22-year career in marketing. You see, she'd been buckling under the unrelenting stress of juggling the role of managing director with her family of three kids. And after getting mired in grief on losing her dad, she trained in emotional freedom technique, also known as EFT or tapping, as she was blown away by how it had helped her move past her grief. This led Susie to train as a health coach and launch her practice Peppermint Wellness in 2015. She now works with individuals and groups to help people avoid the mistakes she'd made in neglecting her health and battering her body in the name of being a professional. She also now hosts the Wellness Unwrapped podcast, dedicated to helping women as burnt out and as overwhelmed as she was 10 years ago. So this was a beautifully barefaced, searingly honest conversation. Having experienced a toxic workplace myself, I felt every ounce of the stress and pressure Susie shares in her story. She describes her life-changing brushes with burnout, and thankfully how she reclaimed her life. So get set for this brilliant burnout chat with the lovely Susie Glasky. Susie, thank you so much for joining me today. I can't wait for a good old burnout chat. I've got my tea ready. I'm just ready to sit and just hear some of the wisdom from your experience. So thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it is my total pleasure. I've also got my tea. I I just feel like this is a really chilled way to end the day. And I'm just so looking forward to having a very honest chat. Oh, we love a bit of honesty, don't we, Susie? (laughs) We do. It's the the only way, isn't it? (laughs) Absolutely. We just need more and more honesty and vulnerability. And that way we can all understand that we're not weird. Yes. And that there is no perfect version of someone out there. Like, we're all just trying our best. Absolutely. We are. Oh, absolutely, darling. Now, you're no stranger to burnout. And I know you shared your story beautifully and so openly um, about two kind of life-changing experiences of burnout, like 20 years ago and 10 years ago. So Mm. I'm just going to hand the mic over to you. Can you... (laughs) please share your story of where you were 20 years ago yeah so yeah it was exactly 20 years ago that I had probably my hardest year and what had happened was I had just given birth to my second son Louis 
And so I had a three-year-old or two-and-a-half-year-old and then Louis, this this baby, who did not sleep. And, I mean, bless him, he's, he's a fabulous boy. But, my goodness, he put me through hell. He just, he, he was one of those babies that woke up hourly wanting his dummy. And he put various dummies all around the cot. And, and for some reason, it was just never enough. I had to put the dummy in. So I was, I was really on my knees. And with all of this going on, unfortunately... Where I had worked for the previous seven, eight years, where I'd been very happy, they took fright because they were, there was we were all young women, basically. I was the first one to have a baby. And basically, they, they wanted to change my working terms so that I couldn't go back and do three days, which I had been doing. So unfortunately, I was put in a position where I had to move because I, I didn't want to work the, the extra time. So I ended up making a really bizarre move, which was to go to an agency that was actually quite a commute away, because I'd, I'd been working somewhere I could walk to. And then suddenly I was in a new place with this seven-month-old baby. I think he was around seven months when I started working there. And it turned out to be a, horrend- a horrendously toxic working environment, which I was not do at all so I was there sleepless these two very very young children my husband was not around very much because he at that point he used to travel a lot with work and he'd be away for sort of two or three weeks at a time and um it it was it it became apparent after a few months that um I was sinking I was really really sinking and actually it's so long ago now and whenever I put myself back there I still want to cry (laughs) although although it's so long ago it's so long ago because I just you know and I think about it now I was reading um an article yesterday in the paper by someone who worked a nurse who works in critical care during COVID and I read what she did in a day and and I was just in awe of it and then I looked at what I was doing, working in PR. I and mean, it wasn't like I was a firefighter or I was saving lives. I was working in PR. And yet th- the stress that I was under was, for me, I, I couldn't hack it. It was just too much for me. And I'd never really, obviously I'd been stressed at work and, and had a bad day and had a cry. And, you know, as you do, especially working in PR. But I'd never known anything like this. I'd never known... Um, a place where there was no solidarity, there was no one, it was every man for himself. That was the sort of culture was you just, um, there was stabbing in the back. I just wasn't used to this. I was sort of very collaborative, friendly person. And suddenly I was plunged into this environment where I, I, I didn't even understand how to operate like that. And the first day there was a guy next to me who'd just come back from six weeks. He'd been signed off for stress. And I, when he told me that... I I didn't know how to react because I'd never ever heard of anyone being off work for stress. I mean, obviously now it's so commonplace. But yeah, but time, twenty years ago, imagine it. Yeah. yeah, and I was thinking stress. Mm. You know, like we work in PR. Like how how stressful could it be? And then I I realised how stressful it, it could be, and um, it was just a perfect storm of Louis not sleeping. The boys look at interns to be ill, so I would get one kind of ready to go to nursery and then I'd get a phone call from nursery the other one was ill or one would have conjunctivitis and 
then the other will get it and nurse you wouldn't take them obviously and I found myself doing stuff that I feel ashamed of like kind of tarting up their eyes spoon a cow pole just getting getting to nursery you know and I, I didn't I wasn't so fussed about what it was like from their perspective and that is so not the mother that I would want to be but I just had to get to work and it was a very long commute I was always late I was late to pick them up and um there were things going on there which were not nice I felt like I had to just hang up my values when I walked through the door because because of what was going on and it was just it was just awful and then it, I kind of soldiered on because I I like to be someone who is gets everything done for their clients and who doesn't let anyone down. And I it wasn't it didn't even occur to me to kind of throw in the towel. As far as I was concerned, I had joined this job and that was it, you know, and I just had to put up with it. But things started to unravel. I think there was one particularly bad day when I was called by nursery to, to ask me to go and pick up Louis because he had a tummy problem. He'd either been sick or he had diarrhea. And I said, do you know, I, I'm just going to a meeting. Can I pick him up straight afterwards? And she said, absolutely not. You need to get him now. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. So I, I just, I had no choice but to run out the door. I said to the office manager, I'm so sorry. I've got to go and pick him up. Will you please apologise to my boss? I was supposed to be going to a meeting and I hated not I was going to let someone down and anyway I got a phone call two minutes later I hadn't even got to the car with my office manager saying my boss said you've got to come straight back and I walked in and she um she basically called me a fucking part-timer in front of uh, the rest of the office which was really hard to hear um because I, I was so diligent and I I took my work home every weekend I went I was working harder than anybody but I couldn't, I couldn't make it work. I just couldn't physically make it work. So I had to go to the meeting. Luckily, my husband was in Manchester that day, so she could, he could pick up Louis. But I cried all the way um, mm-hmm. because I just felt torn in two. I felt like, uh, what sort of person am I? You know, Louis being sick or whatever, and here am I going to a meeting? And it just, it just completely broke me. So, and I had mascara on. I had no eye makeup remover. So I just arrived at this meeting with like black streaks and had to sit in this room full of, they were all men. And I don't know what they must have made of me because I obviously looked a wreck. Um, So that was, I think, the first day that I really thought, I don't think I can go on doing this. Yeah. Um, I mean, just, I think any mums listening, like, just when you say that, I can feel the tension in my shoulders just listening to this, Susie. I mean, you know, it, it's so interesting. You say, um, you know, you're in PR and, and you're not in critical care. You're not a nurse in critical care, but you're in PR. But I think we both know that our nervous systems can't tell what job we're in. Our nervous systems just respond to the stress we're under. And I think there's a lot, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people out there who maybe um, kind of put their own feelings aside way too often and go, oh, but I'm okay. It's just a bad week. I know I did this. It's just a bad day. It's just a bad week. It's just a bad bloody month. And then when you get to it's just a bad bloody year, you know, your your nervous system, your body has been operating on that critical fight or flight level. It's just so damaging, isn't it? It, it so is. Oh. Um, Yesterday, when I read that article by the the critical care nurse, 
and how they couldn't go to the toilet even or something like that. And I, and I remembered a day when I was in this job where I lasted a year in the end, where it got to about mid-morning and I realised that I hadn't gone to do a wee. And I suddenly yeah. thought, you know, I need, to, I need to go to the toilet. But I didn't want to waste any time because I was so... The mountain of work that I was expected to do in this three days was just insane with no with no sort of support. So you were constantly behind, even even though you know I take work home and everything. So I remember on the way to the toilet, which was only maybe about six meters away, I was talking to myself, like chundering away to myself, muttering, I "Need to call this client. Need to just reply to that email." Because I didn't want to waste a few meters. And I remember this so clearly, Flickers, that I sat on the loo and I started doing the wee and then I I decided I didn't have time to finish it because it was right. taking too long it was taking too long and I literally I remember this so clearly I like zipped up you know pulled up my pelvic floor muscles mid mid wee and yeah. you know washed wash hands straight back to the desk I mean that was the mentality and now I look back and think my goodness I was someone who wouldn't even allow my body to empty itself you know, that just a basic yeah. body need. I didn't think that I could afford the extra few seconds doing a wee. That was the space I was in. I think it speaks to, like, how you were, on pure, you were operating purely on a survival level. You were do, doing just whatever you could. I mean, even when you say of, of you know, sending the kids to daycare and just trying to, you know, get them all sorted and, and whatever would happen would happen, but you... It, it just goes to show, which is so hard for any parent to do, but it just goes to show the amount of pressure you felt that you shifted to that pure survival mode. And, you know, not only were you not caring for yourself, it affected how you were with your family. And I don't know about you, Susie, now we're out of it, aren't we? Um, yeah. But when you hear a people's stories, when you reflect on your own stories, or I'm listening to yours, it just takes me back. And to maybe some people listening, um, or maybe, you know, our families on the outside, they, they just see us just doing it. They, they don't understand the pressure that we felt to... I don't know, just succeed in that job, to stay in that job. You know, you you don't feel there's any other future. You don't feel there's any other choice, do you? That's it. I felt totally trapped. And it just wasn't an option to leave. You know, I there wasn't so much demand for a part-time account director. Because that's the thing. I had these two kids. So I was not, you know, I didn't consider myself a very... A very great option for bosses you know I'd used to be because I was I was I was really good at my job yeah. you know and then I had the kids and then suddenly I, I didn't feel I was such an attractive option and I had the nursery bills to pay so it wasn't like I could just leave and do nothing and and my husband was sort of like well you know we, we're paying for this and and it wasn't it just wasn't an option for me to just walk away from it and I didn't even think about that um so I just knew that I'd thrown in my lot with this company the clients were relying on me my boss was relying on me and I was the sort of person that I I didn't want to let my boss down you know even when 
I, I began to initially I think I was quite mesmerized by my boss because they were very clever and successful and and um and then the scales kind of began to fall as I sort of saw the things that were going on um and then things really escalated when I realized that I would have to leave and I resigned and my boss persuaded me to stay and said that we would change the working hours so it would be three days instead of three and a half but what happened was the work didn't change at all I just got paid less but but the work didn't change at all so it was still completely unfeasible to do what I was trying to do um especially as calls I mean like if a client wanted to speak to me they would just kind of get put through to me even if I was at home with a two-year-old with no other no no one to kind of put my two-year-old with I would just be expected to speak to a client um and there was this one time where I ended up locking my eldest son Max in a in a room just so I could speak to the client which still makes me feel sick at myself that I would do that because he just wanted to show me a picture but I I, I didn't know what to do with him how to get him quiet because he was like two and a half or three um, he was too young to like understand that, you know, mummy just needs you to be quiet just for a minute while I speak to this client. Um, but yeah, I feel sick of myself. And I felt sick at the time. I felt sick at the time that my gorgeous little boy was now locked in a room, banging on the door um, because he wanted to show me a picture. I mean, it's the stuff of trauma. I mean, I know that now as the job that I do. Um, yeah, so I feel sick at what I did. But you know I, what? Listen- yeah, go on. Listening to this, Susie, I just want to let you know that, you know, I know of another mum who has done this, who was on the phone taking an important call and had to, the kids were there. So she stepped out and shut the patio door and was outside talking on the call while the kids are like, you know, yeah, crying uh, out. Well, I feel you're sick not, hearing that. You're yeah. not alone, darling. <laughs> I, yeah. But it's, now we are out of it. We know how wrong that is that mothers are put to that position. You know, they're putting that very awful. Yeah, there was just no good option. You know what I mean? I couldn't refuse to speak to the client. I mean, a lot of the clients didn't even know that I was a mother. This, it was all, Mm. you know, it was very different 20 years ago. It was all very different. And I was working very male-dominated type sectors. And it just, it wasn't really okay to talk about the fact that, that I was a mother and I had these two little kids who I adored at home. So it it was a really difficult situation. But anyway, she persuaded me to stay and I ended up staying. And at that point, my body just rebelled. And I look back now and I think it was really clever what my body did, but it just started screaming at me. Well, I couldn't understand it was screaming at me because I didn't know anything about that sort of thing. But I, I started with a bright red eye, like the next day, and I was seeing clients all the time in, in PR. You really expected to look quite well turned out, mascara and earrings and heels and all the rest of it. And I just looked horrendous because I had this bright red eye and I couldn't get rid of it. Flick. I tried every drop, went to the doctor. This red eye was just not shifting. And it actually lasted for three months. <laughs> for three months, I just looked hideous and like a vampire. And it um, alongside that, I started losing a lot of weight um which was really frightening it was really frightening because obviously I had no intention of losing weight I was already quite slim um I started trying to eat more but that didn't work because it was nothing to do with what I was eating it was the stress it was just one thing after another one day I sort of 
my legs gave way in the toilets and the ladies loo. But I was just determined to go to a meeting and the meeting was in Preston. It was quite far away from Manchester. But I was just like, must go to the meet, must drive to the meeting. I was like a robot, you know, like an automaton that I just had to get to the client meeting, no matter that my legs didn't work and or that I was being sick or that my face had erupted or whatever it was. Um, I think you just lose all reason, really. Yeah, and it's very easy to, when you're in that state of survival, when you're in that state of just trying to get through the day to make everyone happy, um, you lose complete touch with your self-worth, your self-esteem. So to actually put in the boundaries with employers, it's almost impossible, isn't it, Susie? When you're in that point, because listening, yeah. I could probably say my story to you, people listen to your story, you know, you kind of, the obvious things are that, hey, you know, you're, you're a brilliant mum and you're incredible at your job. So, you know what? Three days a week, this is what I can do. But what people don't understand is that I feel burnout happens gradually and it takes more and more of you as the days go by. That to put in boundaries is, it just feels impossible. It doesn't even come on to, it's, it's not even a card you can put on the table, is it? No, not at all. It wasn't, I think I felt at such a disadvantage being a part-time account director already. You know, you almost feel like you someone's doing you a favour by giving you a job. So, and, and unfortunately, it, 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 it some agencies they they recruit people who are lovely and kind and helpful and then some agencies they don't <laughs> um so the, the just the, what was going on actually in, in the agency never mind without I and mean, i had just never never seen anything behavior like that so all all together it was so toxic and, I, and sunday evenings i would just feel nauseous at the thought of going back in the next day and on my days off, it wasn't like, oh, I'm off now, thank God, you know, I can relax. It was just the a continuation of the the toxicity and the the worry and the anxiety, but actually worse because I wasn't there to do anything about it. So I was, say, at a play group with Louis, but I wasn't there and I was physically there. But mentally, I was really worrying about whether my account executive would actually do what I'd asked her or more likely ignore what I'd asked her. So what what was happening to my clients? So um, I think I was even more unhappy on the days off than I was at work, which sounds awful because that was when I was with my amazing little boys. It makes sense though, doesn't it? Because you're just trying to, you know, balance, spin all these plates. And I, I also feel... Um, Burnout really does strike those ambitious, smart, driven people. And I think to be, you know, an account director and, you know, you're putting your heart and soul and you were really good at your job. But it, it just, I guess, is it because we're just not easy on ourselves? We have those perfectionism tendencies. Is it because um, we just want to, I, I don't know. What do you think it is, Susie? What? For me, I mean, it was just about 
I needed to do the job that my clients expected. And when I tried to delegate stuff, I remember getting a phone call from this lovely client saying, I, I hate to tell you this, Susie, but when I get a piece of work from you, it's perfect. And I can tell you. And then I get a piece of work from, mm, who's my account exec, and it's dreadful. And it made me feel sick because I was responsible for her work and I should have rewritten it all so it looked like my work. But there was no, there was no time. There was no, it wasn't possible to kind of, for me, to do absolutely everything for all these clients in, in, in three days. But that really, that just hit me in the heart because that felt like a total failure that I, I hadn't managed to get, you know, the work up oh. to from someone else because she was unfortunately was so crap at her job and refused to take any sort of direction. So um, for me, it was just really, I, I just didn't want to let the clients down, you know. And this is where... You know, and we, I'm sure you'd agree, like toxic workplace places, bleh, places, can't get words out. It really does filter down from the top. And I think, yeah. you know, this is where you needed a manager to come and, and show that compassion and be like, okay, like, you know, physically, there's a lot of stress going on here. Like, let's take some time away. Let's, let's, well, how can we support you? It, it's, this is the problem. And, Toxic workplaces, oh my gosh, they just, not only do they infiltrate your complete life, but they, they ripple out and it affects those in your circle as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it really, really did. And and I I feel so sad for how my boys must have been. And obviously they don't remember it now and they're big. But because I was always late, because I always tried to get one last email done, you know, before yeah. I would launch myself into the traffic because it was solid traffic at that time going out of Manchester. And I just, I'm the sort of person where I just want to get, let me just get this one last thing done. Let me just make sure this is absolutely okay be before I before I leave, you know? I always wanted to go above and beyond. So I, I can picture myself now just answering this last email with my bum in the air because I was supposed to have left the office, but I hadn't left the office. I was still very much in the office, you know, and um, and then I would be stuck in traffic and I'd have to call nursery and say, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm running late. And there'd be sort of like sighs down the phone because I was late again. Um, so you'd pay a fine and the fine was not the big deal, but it was heartbreaking to arrive at nursery late. And it was like the middle of December and my two little boys were outside the door with this very hacked off looking nursery nurse and they just we're outside in the cold, you know, and Louis was like a baby, you know, all swaddled up. And and there was me rocking up late. Um, and my Max said, I mean, they, you know, and they're so sweet, you know, because kids, you know, and they were entirely dependent on me to be there on time. And Maxie just said, Mummy, just go through the traffic, go through. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it just tears me apart that that's, that was their early childhood, you know, for that for that time. Yeah. I mean, listening to this as a mum, it tears me apart that someone put you in that position, Susie, you know? Well, a lot of it was me. A lot of it was me. You know, I didn't have to stay up until the very last moment rather than leaving a bit early because I knew there would be traffic. Um, so I can't, I can't blame everyone else. I just had that work ethic where... I wanted to, 
I'm not the sort of person like half past five, pen down, right? I don't want to hear from anyone. Yeah. I've never been that person. It's almost the perfect storm then, isn't it? It's the perfect storm of, um, you know, a toxic workplace, um, <clears throat> management not looking to nurture and support their staff, looking just to take. And then I guess, and I'm guilty of this as well. I'm saying this and I'm so guilty of this and I'm working on it. But for us, not only striving to do the best we can, but having no boundaries, like not, not great at putting boundaries to protect ourselves. Um, no. I look back as well and see um, it was the perfect storm of me yeah. and where I worked. That's it. I think it's impossible even to think about boundaries, as you said before, because I was just clinging on for dear life. I mean, my objective was just to get through. I couldn't see any further than that day. It was just get through today. That was all. Yeah. Oh, Susie, I just want to go back in time and hug that mum. <laughs> you know, yeah. Susie, you just want to hug. Um, I know. Because I, can, I feel quite emotional listening to this because I, I, I know that that pressure and you just can't win. You, you don't feel you're doing great at your job. You don't feel you've been a great mum. And, it, you know, it's just, oh, no wonder your body stepped in and said, okay, you're not going to listen to us. We're taking you down. That's it. I mean, that's exactly what it did. I love the way you described that. And it did, it just threw the kitchen sink at me one thing after another. And I just ignored the whole lot. You know, when I came out in hives, well, let's just pile on more makeup. And there was, there, there was no point I kind of questioned what my body was doing I was just it was just letting me down it was another irritation it was throwing at me oh my goodness now I've got to now my back's gone and now this and that you know how am I going to hide this but it, I didn't really stop and question why my body was doing all of this and and I didn't feel there was any connection between coming out in hives and, and the red eye and the dramatic weight loss and all the other things it, it never and it just never occurred to me that it was all from the same source, which was stress, stress that I couldn't cope with. Yeah, I, and it's almost, this is when um, you really do need people around you in your circle to step in because um, you're just on this treadmill. I can remember going to a meeting with a crazy rash um, and I was meeting with someone and she was like, oh, you, you don't look like yourself. And I was just like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. Oh, carry on. But you actually need people to really hold the mirror up and be like, okay, you need some time out. You need to look after yourself because people don't realize yeah. you are just literally on that treadmill. That's it, you know? that's it. And it's so funny to say, time out because obviously I had no time out and I remember having um I had a smear test I hate smear I mean we all hate smear tests and <laughs> it had come back inconclusive so I had to then go back I had to actually then go rather than GPs I had to go to the host or local hospital to the gynae department have a proper smear test and I remember going there and thinking oh I hate smear tests and I there were two such delightful nurses in our local NHS hospital and 
I think one was like holding my hand and the other one, and legs and stirrups, the whole thing. Yeah. And one of them said like, oh, are you, are you doing anything nice today? And I kind of stopped and thought about it. And I said, you know what? Like, this is my downtime today. And we, we just we were in fits. And actually it went really easy then because we were, three of us were laughing so much at how sad that was. At how sad that that was because I was stopping. I wasn't answering emails and I wasn't on the phone to clients. I was just stopping for 15 minutes at <laughs> this bloody smear test. And, and I think that's really an indication of how starved of any downtime I was, that I actually considered that awful experience a, a bit of a break. <laughs> Bit of a treat, love. You're like, yes. oh my god, no one's demanding anything of me. Meanwhile, you're like, this is like one of the worst things. I hate this. Like, we just yes. get again. Yes. Your nervous system is like, <laughs> you call this a treat? I know exactly. <laughs> this is really scraping the barrel. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? It's so true. Oh my goodness. Oh. Susie, it's just, I, I know you share in your story, people are, you know, there's going to be someone listening and they're going to be, it's going to be that moment, that light bulb moment of, oh, I, this is resonating a little too hard. now. <laughs> this yeah. brings back memories or I'm living this now um, because you just, you would have had your legs in stirrups and you'd have, you still probably had no idea that you were cruising towards like extreme burnout and being you know taken no. out yeah. no, and, and in fact I never used that word and even up until recently I never saw it as burnout because I wasn't one of those people who did end up in bed for a year you know there, there wasn't something so dramatic that happened because I think I bailed out before it got to that point so for me it was actually the weight loss that drove me to see my GP because I didn't like being that skinny, especially yeah. as I, wasn't, I was, I was trying to put on weight and I, I couldn't. So it, it, that did slightly concern me. So when I went and he weighed me and he, I could see that I was under eight stone, which was really light for my height. And he said, look, you really need to stop putting the weight back on. Otherwise your periods are going to stop. And that was, I think I needed someone else to say that to me in order for me to recognize that actually there was there was something I was on a trajectory that wasn't good and that that scared me so it was a wake-up call and that's when I resigned the next day properly Um, and that's when my eye cleared up immediately even though I was still working there because my body knew that it was going to be over when my um, you know, my, I'd worked out my month. It was it was going to be over. So I think I relaxed. It took, even though it took a while for the weight to come back on, that didn't happen till after I'd left and after a few more weeks. Oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness you put that resignation in. I mean, oh. Yeah, just... I think there was no choice. I think I would have ended up, I'm not sure what would have happened, but I think it would have been bad. Well, and you obviously went on to embark on a career in health. So you know that it would have just, the yeah. the effect it would, the detriment it would have had to your physical and mental health would be so, so harsh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Susie, darling. <laughs> I just want to go back in time and hug that, that Susie 20 years ago. Like I just, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just wish I could have 
done something differently, but I, I, I think it's helpful to talk about it now just in case mm. it helps someone else. But I, if I could go back in time, I would. Yeah, and this is what these conversations are all about because um, when you're on that survival, you're in that survival mode, you're on that treadmill. Um, I felt... I was so isolated that I felt shame that I wasn't quite being able to keep up with everything, even though everything was completely unrealistic and just, you know, there was, yeah. it wasn't even humanly possible what I was trying That's to do. Thing. That's the thing. But yeah, there is, there is that element of, of not measuring up to who you see yourself. If you've always been the ultra professional one, and then suddenly you just can't do it. That's, it's definitely a hard pill to swallow for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's looking, um, it's looking at, at what brings you joy in your life as well. Cause when you said about the story with the stirrups, I can remember going to, um, it was like a, a workshop at work and they were talking about how much you know you need to schedule in every day like something that brings you joy and I can remember my co-worker turned to me so my boys would have been I don't know let's say four and six that kind of age mm. she turned to me and she said Flick you do nothing for yourself and I can remember going well why would I it, it's not you know I've got kids, I work, like, why would I do anything for myself? It was, you become so focused and it's tunnel vision that you forget almost who who you are at your core and, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I've been someone who was quite, like, upbeat and laid back and then I just turned into this different person where I was just so unhappy, I was so yeah. unhappy. It really showed on me in the time when I was not at work with my kids, it just hung over me like this black cloud because it infected everything. This job infected everything, every waking moment of my life. It just seeped into um, when I was on holiday, you know, on a beach, I was just thinking, is my account exec who was horrendous? Is she, is she getting on with, and I got back to work and basically, she she gave me the handover that I'd given her and she said, oh yeah, I've not, not done any of it. Like she hadn't even done a single thing and the handover. So so I, I couldn't enjoy any holiday. I couldn't enjoy anything really because um, I knew I knew that my clients weren't, were not, unless I was looking after them personally, they were not being looked after properly. So I could never relax. Oh my goodness. I mean, so the good news is resignation went in. Thank resignation. God you're out of that yes. toxic workplace. Like the bloody I love how you say it infected everything. It really does. It really does. Um so yeah. thank goodness you leave there and you take some time, don't you? Well, I took a little bit of time because I thought I was unemployable because oh. I'd shown myself I was unemployable, clearly. Oh darling. Um, um, and I was just wrung out. I mean, I was really wrung out and um, just thought, well, I, there's, I can't possibly work in a... He was going to want me type thing. But I knew I could write. That was the only thing. I knew I could write. So I thought, well, maybe I can do a bit of freelance writing. And then I never even started that because 
someone heard that I was leaving and it was an old supplier, supplier actually contacted me saying, would you do my PR? And I was like, well, okay, okay. And then it just snowballed. And then suddenly I, I was actually the head of a large agency from that, from that one phone call. It just snowballed, snowballed. And then my, it was bigger and then I got an office and then my husband joined and then there were like 25 people. And I never wanted it. I never planned it. I never had any aspiration to be a PR boss of an agency. And then it was a whole stress again. It was the whole stress. It was different because I was in the driving seat. And the good thing was that no one could ever, ever again tell me that I couldn't go and pick up a child of mine yeah. if they were Like no one could ever again stop me from doing that. But then running a PR agency was really stressful. And by this stage, I had another child. My dad was had a slow, slow-growing cancer. He was elderly and in a bad way. And and also, I just didn't want to do it. I never wanted to do it, you know. And I found myself being in a job as a boss that I just it wasn't me. Yeah. But I was stuck again. I was stuck again. I was trapped in this persona that I didn't want to be in but it was very successful and people like whoa gosh you've done amazing you know you run this amazing agency and we won all these awards but I just felt like I I used to push the door open and think I don't like how on earth did this happen you know I'm listening to this and I'm thinking okay so you went and then that that client reached out to you and I'm thinking gosh you were in a place where you had no self-esteem you couldn't even Mm. see your worth you couldn't even see how bloody brilliant you were at PR so it's fascinating that you know someone kind of came along um but then with you starting your own agency it goes to show doesn't it Susie that just because we're good at something doesn't mean it's aligned to our heart and soul. It, you know, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? That's it. And I got pigeonholed by everyone as Susie, the PR guru. And I looked at those words thinking, I don't want to be a PR guru. That doesn't speak to me at all. I didn't want that on my gravestone. And I was always interested in holistic health. And it came out more and more and more as I as the company grew and I had more staff. And they knew, they were very aware that I had this whole other side to me, that I would I would kind of um, try out on them because they're a captive audience, you know, and I would be like, you know, if there was if people were coming down with a cold, I would cut up raw onions and put them around the office to cleanse the air. And and my staff would say, Susie, it smells like a burger van absolutely (laughs) put your onions away and then I would diffuse peppermint essential oil because I said it's good for your mental clarity and it was just one thing after another I'd say right we're going for a brainstorm in the park outside I'd get them on my allotment I would make homemade tinctures so if one of them was coming down with a sore throat I'd give them homemade tincture I'd have essential oils everywhere. I'd make them eat fruit and nuts. And I had a Reiki bed where I'd do Reiki upstairs. I mean, it was a ridiculous thing that I was trying to do because it was a PR agency. They didn't sign up to have, you know, some woman do EFT tapping with them and Reiki. <laughs> supposed to be a PR boss. But I was just being pulled, pulled, pulled in another direction. 
entirely. So there was this huge tension between what I actually wanted to be doing and what I was stuck doing as my day job. Oh, that's fascinating, isn't it? Because the minute you have uh, that little bit more freedom, it's like yeah. you started to unfold. You started to blossom as to who you are. Yes. And there was this real tension with what I was doing because we were doing PR for food companies a lot of the time. So uh, that in itself kind of generated a lot of problems because I was becoming more and more aware of the problems with what we were promoting and how they were impacting on people. But yet my job was to get these companies in the magazines and the glossy magazines. And I remember one day, one of my, my account directors came to me. He wrote a press release about, we were doing PR for, um, it was a suite that didn't have artificial colors. And it was, it was marketed as a sweet that was quite good for you. And I knew that was just nonsense because it was made entirely with sugar. It was not good for you by any stretch of the imagination. So when he gave me this press release, I was putting red lines for everything saying, don't mention healthy, do not mention healthy. And I'd be crossing. And I wasn't doing it from the hat of promoting the client. I was doing it as kind of, this is not right to give this message out, which was not really what I was being asked to do. And anyway, I remember one day going to work and he came up to, he sort of strutted up to me. I could see he was like grinning from ear to ear and he showed me this very glossy magazine, Good Housekeeping or something. And there was what we called a hit. There was a, a big piece on this suite, which is what we want. Obviously, it's what we're being paid for. And he showed it to me and I, he was expecting a big pat on the, on, the, on the head. And I looked at it and it said, healthy snack. And I hit the roof. I hit the roof and she said, what kind of irresponsible journalism? People are going to read it and think that this is good for them and they'll lose weight this way and da, 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 da. And the poor guy, I can still picture his face. He was so confused because I should have been really happy with him as a PR boss. I should have been, you know what, Owen, that's amazing. I'm so happy. Well done. But I wasn't acting like a PR boss. I was acting like a health coach. I didn't even know the term health coach, never heard of it. But that was the health coach in me trying to come out, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, and how um, gradual that progression was. And like you, you, you started practicing Reiki, didn't you? You didn't yeah. you have a room in your office like for yeah. to practice Reiki. And I mean, how amazing is that? <laughs> well, it was bonkers. It was bonkers because it was such a noisy office journalists calling all the time, the phone going, clickety-clackety, people running up and down the stairs in their heels and clients in and out. And then I had commandeered this room entirely for myself and put in a bed and candles and crystals. And I was like, this, this is my Reiki room. And I would get people in, like friends who are going through a divorce or something. I'd say, come on in. And I'd put on my whale music. And it was so incongruous to have this juxtaposition of my whale music crystals and then this busy PR agency outside the door. And I was kind of, at that point, splitting myself in two. And increasingly, it became more dominant, this piece of me that wanted to be in holistic health, that didn't want to be promoting sweet and low <laughs> and crisps and sweet, which is what I was doing, you know? And I was just being pulled and pulled and pulled to somewhere else, that there was something else I needed to be doing. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm listening to this. I'm thinking the people working for you, what a different experience they, you know, you were giving them compared to what you had experienced. <laughs> PR yeah. Oh, I was, 
Yeah, I was really, really careful because all a lot of my girls obviously were having children and I was just so, so stringent about never calling them, you know, when they were off on the day off or or if one of their kids was there. I went completely the other way because of my experience. And that, to be honest, brought up its own problems. So it, it, it's not an easy thing. Um, and, I, and I'll say that it, to work in PR client facing, it, it doesn't always meld very well with being a mum of young children. Yeah, but you did it. You did that for other people, you know. And yeah. and I know definitely I've worked with some people in the past where, um, you know, they have been in a position of power and they probably went through the ranks having a hard time. But when they were in a position of power, they chose to continue that patriarchal, like, back-breaking way of working, as opposed to doing what you did, where you were like, hang on, I'm going to change this. Like, this isn't right, you know? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't right. But I still hated it. I still hated being the boss and everything, and it was so stressful. You know, you never got a minute off, never. And um, then what happened was my dad, it got to the stage where he, he... I knew he was going to pass away sort of imminently. And I went to do Reiki on him one day and he just felt so much better. And I just hadn't been able to go and see him very much because the pressures of the job and all these people that wanted a piece of me and wanted me to check this and that. And I went that day and I thought, this is crazy. I, I just actually need to leave the job. And it was, it was just a light bulb moment where I knew I'm going. I told my husband, it wasn't something I said, I'm thinking about. I just said, I'm going to leave the business. And he was my basically my partner in the business. We ran it together. So it was a, a big shock for him and the rest of the team who I told the next day. But I, I did leave. I did leave. And um, because I hadn't been able to take dad out for lunch even, and it was weighing on my mind, I wanted to take him out for lunch, but I, I couldn't make the time. Once I was in that office and everyone wanted me, so I left I did take dad out for lunch and he did pass away um, just shortly after, a couple of weeks after that. And then I got very stuck in grief. So I got progressively worse over the months, um, not being able to be around people, just crying at very random things. And um, I just sunk deeper and deeper, really. So it was about five months on. I was so much worse than one month on. And I really wasn't. There was just no sign of me kind of coming through this and getting back to myself. And at that point, I had EFT um, tapping with someone. And um, for if you're not familiar with EFT, it stands for Emotional Freedom Technique. And it's brilliant for things like grief and phobias and anxiety and all sorts of stuff. And just two sessions and it, I was back to me. I got my smile back. I was able to be around people. It wasn't that forgotten dad or anything like that god forbid but I was able to function again in in the world which I hadn't been functioning and I just knew that that was what I wanted to do I wanted to train up in EFT so yeah oh, amazing it's incredible isn't it I'm just so glad you were able to have that time to be gentle with yourself and to be kind to yourself and and kind of you know deal and work through that grief grief is it it's its own thing you know it we learn to to live with it don't we as opposed to get over it i think 
And um, I just think it's fabulous to hear that you were then able to look after yourself because, you know, when you go back 20 years ago, I, oh, gosh, there was no time for you. There was no um, self-compassion or self-care or self-worth, whereas with this point there was, thank goodness. Yeah, there was. And I think it was almost like a gift from my dad's passing that I was able to step out of work because I wouldn't have done it otherwise. There would have been no reason for me to leave. It was a very successful agency um, and I had this very good reputation, etc. It would have been a very bizarre thing to walk away from that. But dad's passing was definitely the catalyst that pushed me out. And I had this time where I was sort of trying to get over his, his death. And then because I was helped through something, I... I realised that it worked really well. And then I found health coaching. And I love the health coaching because it brought together not just the, the food side and the exercise side, obviously that's very important, but it looked at the whole person holistically. So the emotional body, the mental body, it looked at the entirety of a person. And that's what really drew me to it. And then I trained as a health coach. And then that, that was when I, I mean, it was love at first sight with health coaching. When I discovered that this was such a career, it was just this instant recognition of, oh, that's the thing. This is the thing that I'm here to do. And I just knew it inside. It was just this, um, yeah, it was this instinctive attraction that, that, that I'd found my fit, finally. You know, oh. in my is. <laughs> oh, it's so lovely to hear because it, it embodies all of your skills and your gifts you know, and um, and positively, you know. I mean, obviously, you had your PR career and experience and, you know, now you can kind of go into another chapter and it's using all, all of your gifts. And, you know, I also think, gosh, your clients must benefit from you having literally lived some of those steps yourself because yeah. you must have clients come to you who are just lost like we were at one point and um I, I can just imagine the comfort and the reassurance you give because you've been there yeah I think it's given me an awful lot more empathy and it's just as you say it's that understanding I was chatting to a client just the other day and she was saying that it's, it's only when she's on the toilet that that's the only time that she has to herself to just close that door on the world. And that's her only time. I think a lot of women will understand how that feels. And the women I coach now are, they are literally clinging on, just clinging on by their fingernails. Um, and often they're in very high flying jobs where they've worked really, really hard to get to that stage very difficult for them to imagine doing anything else or dialing that down because they've worked so hard to get there but the, the we're talking about not having even a minute in the week not, not even a minute that they would consider for themselves so if they're on a stuck on a train or something I mean, they're the sort of people who will work their day at work. Then when everyone else has gone home, they'll work a further three hours just to get through the stuff that they couldn't get done because they're on Zoom calls during the day. And 
because they're so conscientious and their health is failing them. Their health is failing them terribly. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. certainly when you, you're you cruising to burnout, the, the brain fog and the, the way it grips you physically and yeah. mentally, it's it's clearly doing its job because it's taking you, it wants to remove remove you from this, you know, traumatic and triggering toxic situation or whatever's happening. Um, but it, you kind of, you know, you'd want a coach like you to, to see because you almost need to be given that permission to stop, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that's, that's the, I think the beauty of a coach, because who else is going to give it? Your boss isn't going to give you permission. And, and I have to say, your partner's not likely to either. And, and I'm finding recently I've coached a spate of women who are extremely hardworking. And unfortunately, their partners are doing nothing around the house. And I don't want to demonize men because I actually, my husband's brilliant like this, but there are an awful lot it seems from what I'm hearing, an awful lot of partners out there who are, I mean, literally not lifting, not lifting the boxer shorts off the floor, no cooking, no cleaning, no admin for the kids. So these are women that are working like absolute dogs at work and kind of coming home at God knows what hour. And then they're starting on the school admin. Then they're starting on the making the pat lunches and the earning and sorting out the and then they're going to bed, you know, way too late, up at Sparrow Fart, as my boss used to call it, to get an early train to their commute. To, I mean, there's only so much that you can do of that before the body breaks. Yeah. It just breaks. Yeah. It's not, it, it, yeah, you have to be taken out. Um, yeah. Also, you know, I think sometimes, um, you know, kind of very uh, driven women like with energy and they're just trying to you know plow through the day sometimes they're getting to the tasks before their partner so they just do it without even thinking of going hang on a minute 10 things need to be done here's your five i'll do these i'll do this five they're just doing it whereas i think sometimes you need um i'm a big believer that um severe burnout burnout full stop you can't um, necessarily come out of it uh, and recover fully where you'll never go back or you'll know the warning signs if you're going back without the help of someone. Because I think you really do need someone like yourself to hold up that mirror to kind of say, remember your self-worth. Like, remember, like, let's tap into that self-love for yourself and that self-compassion and... Let's look at what you need as opposed to just yeah. giving to everyone. And often they've forgotten what they need because it's been so long since they did any of that. So I would just start with, you know, you know, if you did have five minutes in the week, if you did have that five minutes for yourself, what would you do with it? And, oh, do you know what? Maybe I would um, just read a book. I haven't read a book for years and I have a pile there and I haven't got... It's okay. Let's start with that. Let's start with that. That five it's minutes. It's such a simple thing, isn't it? I can remember chatting yeah. to Jess Mad of the Womenhood, and she said, you know, she would love women to start off with just taking 1% of their day, which is 15 minutes. And she said, you know, it, 
it's kind of very one um, percent is nothing. But the amount of women who go, I can't take fifteen minutes myself. I've got time for that. I've got to do this, this, and this, and this. But fifteen minutes, like it can have such a positive impact on your on your nervous system, on on rewriting those patterns and behaviours, can't it? We just need to take those baby steps. Absolutely. But I think the way we're wired, I mean, I, I when my kids were young, we actually had an au pair at one point. And I remember coming into the kitchen, I was working from home that day, and she was a lovely lady, a little bit older than me. And she was just stood there in front of the dishwasher, stock still, like paralysed. I thought, my goodness, are you all right? I thought she was having some sort of standing seizure. And she said, yeah, I'm just like, look, the dishwasher's got three more, three minutes and I'm just looking at the squirrels. I was like, looking at the squirrels? And I'm looking at the dishwasher and her and the squirrels thinking, what? Who stands looking at the bloody squirrels when there's like a whole kitchen to clear? So like, I, when I finally understood what was happening here was that she was planning to spend a further three minutes stood stock still doing absolutely nothing. I immediately launched into doing, doing, like clanging. I put all the pans away and cleared up the kitchen while she continued to stand there very serenely. Because if that had been me and I saw three minutes on dishwasher, I'd go straight out and answer four emails. You know, I wouldn't stand there looking at it counting through, I would be absolutely unthinkable for me to stop for three minutes. Yeah, I mean, what sort of insanity would that be? And yet I look back and think, I was the crazy one. She was the sensible one looking at the squirrels. I was the one with the problem. I know. She was the one who was able to, like, take three minutes and be very present in the moment. Yes. And yes, yeah. I absolutely... Absolutely. But at the time when you're doing all these things, you're like, oh, for goodness sake, you know, yeah, that's three minutes, three precious minutes wasted. You know, I could I could saute onions and start making tonight's dinner in three minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's a sickness. It's a sickness. Well, it's those patterns run deep, don't they? Yeah. Um, whether they've been modelled to you by your parents, whether they've been modelled to you by, you know, kind of managers or co-workers in your adult life, those patterns run deep. And it takes yeah. a lot. You must have to really kind of help your clients to step out of those patterns. Absolutely. Because, you know, once we're in that that groove, it is like a groove and it's very difficult to break out of that when you're hit by what we It's guilt for us, isn't it? Or how could I possibly yeah. spend a minute reading a book that's not something for my child's homework or something for work? You know, that would be a total indulgence. So it takes a lot of reprogramming ourselves to understand that's not an indulgence at all. This is simply caring for our health. And, and who else can care for our health? I mean, I delegated a lot of stuff as managing director, an awful lot of stuff, but I couldn't delegate looking after my body. I mean, that was my responsibility. And it wasn't a responsibility I was living up to, but, you know, there was no one I could delegate it to. <laughs> it was only me that could put the right food in my mouth. I wasn't doing it. Oh, that's a mic drop moment. I love that. It's so true. Yeah. We can delegate things, but we can't delegate our own health, our own self-care. <gasps> no, nobody can do it for us. You know, even with all the money in the world, you you can't 
lend your body to someone else say just look at that look after it for the next day and then you know while I get my work done it's attached to us <laughs> it's so true we cannot outsource our health bloody hell yeah. it's so true it's so true yeah, so it's really it's really up to us isn't it oh so what kind of things do you do now Susie to kind of look at I'm looking at you and I'm like you are glowing and you are a picture of health what kind of things do you do to look after yourself now? Well, the truth is, Flick, that I do a lot. And I think what I've learned as a health coach is there's not just one thing. Say, but what's the one thing? What's the one thing? And that's what I've learned is there just isn't one thing. So, I mean, learning to eat properly was a big aha moment for me, which changed my energy levels. It changed my uh, up and down moods and my up and down focus all that was sorted once I understood how to eat properly and um uh, getting a morning routine was massive for me so start I used to wake up to the today program because I've got to keep abreast of the news you know because I'm a PR boss and I've got to know what's going on in the world and immediately the moment I wake up woke up I was thrust into whatever it was wars you know, the economy breaking down or whatever was going on in the world, it's always bad. And then it was go, 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 go. And now I have a much more gentle introduction to the day. And I think that's been really transformational to be very mindful about those first minutes. And I do lots of things in that in those first minutes, which I think have really changed where I am mentally. Things like journaling and, and gratitude and and stuff like that. I'm a big evangelist for gratitude. So I am much able, more able to regulate stress much better. Yeah. Yeah. Just without those, because they say, don't they, like, you know, the best thing you can do is not look at your phone for the first hour of the day. If you can, yeah. like, you know, give yourself that time. Yeah, I don't manage an hour, but I do manage the first bit just for that introspection to actually check in with myself and like actually what is on my mind you know what am I thinking about what am I worried about and just emptying it into an A4 pad and I just find it really helpful because it puts some distance between me and the hurly-burly of my thoughts and stresses and all things I'm worried about and just emptying them out you you come to solutions much more quickly I find and also you see that things pass that even if you feel really, really worried and scared, I mean, for example, when I launched my own podcast, I was terrified and I thought that I would be slated and, and I found a page where I'd written, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? Over and over again. This is the worst thing you've ever done. This is the biggest mistake. What have you done? And of course, it wasn't the worst thing I'd ever done. And actually, it's been amazing. But I can see, gosh, I was in a real state that day but then it passed. And that gives you, I think, more resilience to know that things do pass. And these anxious, fearful feelings, they do shift and something else comes along. So oh, I think a... saying, this too shall pass. It does. It all passes. Yeah, I love that. And, and I, I also really, I journal every day as well, Susie, because I ah. think it really helps me to um, create that space between my inner critic and my thoughts and to what the reality is. Because, you know, I'm a, a devil for just, 
I, I never see myself in a positive light, and and which is why it's so lovely. Lo- it's not lovely. It's why it's kind of a relief to hear you also when you left that first toxic workplace and how I'm thinking, oh, my God, they were so lucky to have her. Whereas you left thinking, oh, I was so grateful just to have a job. It was almost a shock that someone said, hey, you're free, perfect, do my PR. It, it just goes to show how um, how if we don't address and kind of work and deal with that inner critic, how it can really colour our world, can't it? Yeah, I think it can limit the choices that you think you have. So yeah. you entirely depend on other people offering you a job or whatever, and you can't imagine that there would be something about you that you could ever have, for example, a second act. I've had a whole second act in this new career, which is so different from my first. And I feel so privileged to have done that. And I think I would have been very stunned if you'd have told me all those years ago, because I would have thought, well, you know, I'm in PR. I mean, okay, I don't love it, but that's just my job. That's my lot in life is to work in PR. And I would look at these women in glossy magazines who were on an allotment with, with, little you know rosy cheeked children and having the making soaps at home and I would just be so like oh that looks so amazing I wish I had that but I but that was just like traveling to the moon it was something that was totally um it it was unconscionable that I could have a life like that because I worked in PR and PR was stressful but that was what I did and that was the end of it and that was how it would always be yeah. yeah, and going back to, you know, sometimes, uh, like, we have choices. We're, we we have the run of our own lives. But when you're in those dark times, you never feel you do. You, you just don't see any future, do you? You don't. It's so disempowering. And, of course, you feel so negative. I think you need a little bit of headspace in order to be able to see opportunities and an alternative future for yourself. You need to be kind to yourself. You need to be grateful to yourself. And I wasn't doing any of that. I didn't know any of that at that point. It was way before I'd, I'd learned all these things. So I didn't have any of the tools that I needed to self-actualize in that, in that sense. So I very, feel very blessed that I subsequently learned those tools and then do use them every day and can actually think, you know, actually, what do I need to thrive? And OK, let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. And my goodness, Susie, like just from one mum to another, like, my gosh, the, the example you're setting your kids now, the things you are showing them every day. You know, it's it's incredible. And I never want you to I just feel for that mum who had to pick up her kids and they were outside in the cold because nursery had finished. And I just oh, it just pulls at my heartstrings. But at the same time, I just want to say, like, Susie, you are doing it and your kids are benefiting from what you're role modelling now. You know, they are now. They are now. I so wish that I had done it differently when they were little, but I didn't. You know, and I, 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 I didn't know any better. I, I, I did the best that I could. You were surviving. You were doing absolutely yeah. the best you possibly could at that time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I was. Um, but it made me a very, I was on a very short fuse, I think, a lot of the time. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely a different person now, for sure. For sure. Thank God. Yeah, and I think this is, um, you know, something... And I can't say enough for mums is, you know, 
fill your cup up look after yourself because then you are going to be a better mom you're going to be a better like just you know look after yourself first and then the ripple effect is beautiful isn't it it's so true and i notice now if some if something has gone wrong with one of the kids that i'm able to not react but to respond and i know that's because of me filling my cup that i can just say oh okay all right um, and I, I've noticed a difference for sure. So it, it's been, I think, a gift to them as well. I think that's why we really have to, because often I coach women and they'll say like, I won't, I, I'm, I know my job is making me ill, but I, I want to buy my kids nice things. Okay. And this is a well-paid job. And these are women often who are on the brink of, I would say, having a stroke. I mean, that, that is, literally what I can see. So I think it's a matter of just shifting our focus a little bit that, yes, obviously nice to be able to buy nice things, but if you're looking at a situation where the kids are potentially not going to have their mum as they know her, then, and that is, I'm not, that is no exaggeration. That's not fear mongering. That is literally what I see happening. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm totally there. I, I was at my doctor with heart attack symptoms. She was really worried. It, 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 absolutely, you can go to that point. And um, you're right, you know, your, your kids want want a mum and they want, you know, you as you are, not the stressed out, the, the kind of trying to meet everyone else's demands. It's so true. I, do you know, I don't know if you've seen the film Encanto, the no, dis- not yet. Right, Flick, I watched it last night. And oh my goodness, firstly, it's amazing. You have to watch it. It's mm. so beautiful. But there was a scene in it. I'm not, I don't think I'm giving much away here, but the 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 main character, the protagonist, who's called Mirabelle, really cute little girl. She has an older sister called, I think she's called Louisa. And they all have magical powers. So Louisa's magical power, she's super strong and she can like carry boulders and carry six donkeys at once. And there was a point in it where her eye starts twitching because she's anxious about something, but she's suppressing it all because she's the strong one. She's the strong one. And then they launch into the song and the song is basically, I'm the strong one. And if I can't carry boulders for my si- and look after my sister, then who am I? And she has all these boulders landing on, she's shouldering everything because she's the big, strong, magic one. And I looked at her and I thought, my goodness, this is what the mums I'm coaching yeah. This is what they're doing. If I'm not the one shouldering every weight in the world, who am I if I'm not protecting everybody in my family and being the strong one, then who am I? And the thing is, though, Flick, is that we're not in a Disney film. We don't have magic powers. Mm. We're just humans. And if we carry too many boulders, we break. Yeah. That's what happens we're not in Encanto. We're not in Disney. We break. And I see women breaking. Literally breaking. Oh, gosh. And, you know, what do you think stops women from taking the break? Because we both now know that, you know, even actually, even uh, just for Christmas, I, I became kind of tired and you know I, I put out a lot of podcast episodes and I was trying to do a lot and and I thought oh my god I don't know if I can do this and just taking a week two weeks break I then was like 
oh, of course I could do it. I'm not sure. I'm feeling great now. I just needed that break. What stops us from from automatically taking a break when we need it? Yeah, I just think it's such a combination of the way that we're wired to, you know, that nurturing thing. And I don't know, I mean, I look at I look at guys who I know going off on these bike rides or going fishing or something. And I just marvel or playing golf for eight hours. I just marvel at the fact that it's just normal. It's normal for them. They don't have any sort of internal discussion with themselves about whether it's okay to go and play golf or, or spend the day going on, around on a bike. Yes. And, and we are like, you know, can I afford to even read the newspaper when there's the washing to do? And I, I don't know. It's, it's a craziness, isn't it? But we're the ones yeah. who pay the price. Yeah, we, we really are, which I think is why we need to, um, we can't talk enough about encouraging mm. others to look after themselves and to um you know realize their worth and realize you know they absolutely need and deserve and should take breaks and you know care for themselves yeah i i think i've realized that it is my responsibility to myself and to my family and to the world for me to look after myself yeah and that if I and that is a a dereliction of my duty if I don't if I don't make sure that I've had a decent breakfast and that I've got enough sleep and all the rest of the things um, but it's taken me a while to get there it, you know and I still will have days where I will argue with myself but I can see the difference in my productivity in my energy level my energy level's are higher than they've ever been, including when I was 21, you know, and then I was just, they, my energy levels were, were really low, I think, through my 30s and 40s. So I can see the difference that I can think more creatively, I can think more sharply. And it's all down to my lifestyle changes that I've made. It's not like I'm taking a pill that's giving me these. It's simply that I've learned, finally, belatedly, I have learned how to look after myself. I've learned what a human being needs to thrive. No one taught me that as a kid. I had to learn it in my 40s. And it has made the biggest difference. And so now my passion is just sharing that with as many people as possible so that they can also thrive. Oh, fantastic. Oh, my gosh, Susie. This has been such an, oh, an absolute joy of a conversation. Thank you so much. Oh, now, I've I loved put, it. Yeah, I'll put in the show notes where people can find you. But why don't you tell us right now where yeah. people can find more of your work? Because you have some incredible content out there. So go for Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. So, well, I'm on Instagram at Peppermint Wellness. Um, my website is peppermintwellness.co.uk. I'm on Facebook, Peppermint Wellness. I have a Facebook group called Wellness Unwrapped, which is also the name of my podcast. So the podcast covers some, yeah, it's very honest, like your split. Oh, I love it. We, we, we cover a lot of, a lot of, um, yeah, there's some very deep subjects on there. And um, yeah, it's, it, there's some really great conversations on there. I'm actually building a free app at the moment, which is going to be my top self-calming tools that I wish to God someone had told, taught me them when I was still at school. Um, and they're all super quick. So I include tapping in there, which is the thing I do first thing every morning without fail. I don't get out of bed before I do my tapping. Um, so yeah, if you 
get on my mailing list. You will get all the details about that free app when I launch it in a couple of months. Oh my gosh, that's really exciting. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) Fantastic. And tapping is incredible. It's only with this recovery period that I've discovered tapping. And it's huge. I cannot say enough about tapping. Yeah. It's so simple, isn't it, Susie? But do you want to just explain a little bit about that? Yeah, it's almost a little bit like emotional acupuncture, but no needles involved. You can do it on yourself. It's super quick. It's very quick to learn. And it just brings you out of that state of stress or anxiety or whatever toxic, uncomfortable feelings that you've got stuck in. So I've coached, I coach a lot of professional women. And one lady was telling me just the other day, she now does it before she opens her laptop. And it's made such a difference to our whole day. So before she because obviously she was always very anxious before she opened her laptop, what's she going to find in her inbox, what emails from her boss, colleagues, etc. And she just takes two minutes to tap. That's all it takes. And then she opens it and she's able to deal with things in a very calm, balanced way. So it's totally life changing. I tap in the shower. I It's just the one thing. If I had five minutes with everyone in the world, I would teach them to tap for sure. No question. Oh, absolutely. Because it can just like bring down that yeah. kind of that fight, flight, freeze reaction in yeah, you, yeah. can't it? Like it it really does. Um, I feel an absolute shift in my body when I do it. It's Yeah, fantastic. absolutely. And there's a ton of scientific papers now to show and it helps with PTSD. It's amazing for PTSD, um, grief, obviously, as I've shown all sorts of things, uh, food addictions, you know, binge eating, lots of things, cravings. It, it is the most phenomenal tool. And really, everyone should have it in their toolbox because it is so easy. Oh, amazing. Amazing. People need to sign up with you then so they can see <laughs> and get more of this fantastic information. Oh, Susie, this Thank has you. been an absolute treat chatting with you um i've been asking my guests at the end if you're up for it some quick fire light-hearted questions just because everyone answers so differently so on your dodgy tough days do you move your body or do you move the remote i'm not someone who would say go for a run after after a tough day or in fact any (laughs) time I would never go for a run full stop. So I would probably watch something really sweet like Schitt's Creek. Oh, yes. Something, yeah, I was filmed in Canada where you are. Yeah. But just something gentle and funny. Yeah, just to kind of lift your spirit. Something that's just going to yeah. calm Light. and relax. Yeah. And, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, lovely. Uh, <laughs> would you go for Bag of Almonds or Bag of Maltesers? After a stressful day. So, do you know what? I used to love Maltesers. That was always the thing I got the cinema. But I kind of, I'm a little bit grown out of Maltesers. I'm, I'm actually more of a crisp woman, if I'm honest. Oh, like, you, yeah. Salt vinegar, salt vinegar crisps was um, my thing. And even, even five years ago, I was still having a family pack every single night. Every single night, seven nights a week, I would have a family pack of something and a Chris. So it has taken me a little while to wean myself off that not very helpful habit. But I that's gonna be for the rest of my life, it would be that's that's my thing that I, I like right. that salty, crispy crunch. Yeah. Yeah. It's a spot. It does. <laughs> <laughs> now do you ask for help or are you happy to hermit? No, I'm quite good at asking for help now. 
And I think even if it's just chatting to a friend, yeah. And I adore my friends. I love them to bits. And I find just like unburdening to a friend can in itself be like hugely therapeutic. So yeah, yeah I'm pretty good at asking for help. Oh, good for you. I'm working on it. Good for you. <laughs> and lastly, what's the one self-compassionate thing you're going to do today that your future self will thank you for? Well, I've just flick got into baths. yes I was never a bath person and then I've discovered it like only about a month ago and one of the things I decided to do at the beginning of 2022 was I was to have a weekly bath with Himalayan bath salts oh lovely yes so um and just to just to yeah just sit and chill and um and get into bed with a novel with a novel with my hot water bottle because <laughs> it's really cold here and yeah and read my novel just like that was something that a novel for me was only for the beach like once a year on holiday so even the simple fact of allowing myself to read during the year again it's it's um it's a self-love thing but it's paying respect to myself so yeah, there's something so calming about reading, isn't there? But I'm like you, I need to, um, it's almost like I need to give myself permission to read a novel. It, it, it seems indulgent when you're like, I need to be learning and doing all these oh. things. Actually, no, just chill. Yeah. Yes, it seems so frivolous, doesn't it? So non-constructive, <laughs> non-constructive. But I actually find now I've allowed myself, allowed myself to, to read literature other than just health books, that I it feeds my creativity. And we all need creativity in our jobs. Doesn't matter if you work in HR or accounts, whatever it is, you need to come up with creative solutions. And that's one of the reasons. I mean, I do a lot of corporate wellness workshops. I work with a lot of companies. And I think we vastly underestimate how important it is to allow creativity and getting in the flow into our lives because then it feeds into work and we and we perform better at work as well yeah absolutely absolutely yeah yeah oh Susie thank you so much for this incredible conversation thank you so much for having me on honestly it's just been it's been very cathartic to let it all out <laughs> and you're a gorgeous host really a lovely lovely host oh thank you well I just know that your story's gonna help someone we both know someone's gonna hear this or they're so. gonna be sent it by a friend and they're gonna hear it and you know they're gonna have a moment where they're like okay I might, that's resonating a little too hard I might need to make some changes so this has yeah. been fantastic thank you oh, thank you so much Flick thank you so much for listening to this episode of everyday burnout conversations please check the show notes for any links to items discussed today and the original music and sound editing is by chris taylor if you've enjoyed this podcast and have a spare few minutes then it would be absolutely amazing if you could leave me a happy starry rating and review it really does help this podcast reach a little further and i just love it to land in the lap of those who like me last year are perhaps feeling isolated and lonely in their burnout struggle please note this podcast is not intended as medical advice remember you matter so don't hesitate to reach out to your doctor or mental health professional for support if you're having a rough time wishing you a great week and take good care of yourself bye for now